Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. We're in a series in um, uh, 1 Kings, looking at the life and leadership of King Solomon. Uh, and, and the context of where we've been last week um, we heard uh, from 1 Kings 8, which is where Solomon led the prayer of dedication for the temple of God. The temple's been built. The place that represents God's presence amongst his people is there. It exists. And God descended and he's there. And, and Solomon prayed, calling upon the name of the Lord, the name uh, that would be uh, at that place, uh, asking for forgiveness, asking for uh, mercy, for justice, for hope, for healing, for renewal. And then uh, where, we, where we come now is, is in 1 Kings 9 is what is God's response? How does God respond to this whole big ceremony and all this prayer uh, to his temple? How will God respond? And um, the short answer is God desires a real relationship with his people. God desires a real relationship with his people. So I'm going to read uh, 1 Kings 9, 1 to 9, and then um, we'll, we'll have, have a think about it. So if you have a Bible, open up to uh, 1 Kings 9. There are Bibles at the back if you have ever stuck or if you're new and, and don't have a Bible, you can just grab one out there. That's yours. Um, uh, so do do that. 1 Kings 9. When Solomon had finished building the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and achieved all that he desired to do, the Lord appeared to him a second time as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. The Lord said to him, I've heard the prayer and plea you have made before me. I've consecrated this temple, which you have built, by putting my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. As for you, if you walk before me in integrity of heart and uprightness, as David your father did, and do all I command and observe my decrees and laws, I will establish my ro- your royal throne over Israel forever. As I promised David your father when I said, you shall never fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. But if you or your sons turn away from me and do not observe the commandments and decrees I've given you and go off to serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land I've given them and reject the temple I've consecrated for my name. Israel will then become a byword and an object of ridicule among the people. And and though this temple is now imposing, all who pass by will be appalled and will scoff and say, why has the Lord done such a thing uh, to this land and to this temple? And people will answer, because they have forsaken the Lord their God, who brought uh, their fathers out of Egypt and have embraced other gods, worshipping and serving them. That is why the Lord brought all this disaster on them. So there's two main components to this little uh, response, is uh, God's faithfulness and Israel's faithfulness. In response to the prayer, uh, God, God responds by saying, yes, I will hear your prayer. I will be faithful to my promises. Uh, and even looking at some of the language he uses, that his name will be on the temple forever. But what else does it say 
his eyes and his heart will always be there. The temple, the, the, the place of his presence, the, the place where Israel will return to, to pray, to petition upon the Lord, his eyes will be there. He'll be looking out to his people and his heart will be there. And it's not that God is listening for the uh, prayers of the Israelite. He desires the prayers of, the, of his Israelite. He desires the prayers of his people. And same for us today. God is not just listening out, ready in case there's a prayer shot his way. He wants us to pray to him. His heart is there. His eyes are there. He's, he's listening. He's desiring that we would come to him and pray to him and petition to him. He wants that. And, he, and he, he's a God who keeps his promises. He says, if you walk before me in integrity of heart and uprightness, if you obey my commands, as, as we've kept on, to, it's come up again and again through 1 Kings, will Solomon walk in the way of the Lord? Will Solomon remain faithful to God? And if he does, and if his, his descendants do, then God will be faithful. God will keep his promise to establish eternal kingdom. That's God's faithfulness. But what about Solomon's faithfulness? The second half of this, uh, the response was quite confronting. I don't know if what you thought, like Israel had done such a massive ceremony, the thousands and thousands of sacrifices and the, um, the, the, the heartfelt prayer um, pray to God and God's response is positive, but it ends with this. But if you don't follow me, you'll be cut off. Israel will become a parable, a warning to other nations. The temple in all its glory will be destroyed. It's not very <laughs> encouraging. One of the things uh, that, that this shows us is that what God desires is not a great big temple and all the all the beauty and the 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 ceremony and all that 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 doesn't achieve that relationship with God and all that um effort and ceremony the beauty and the intricacy the detail the 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 fine the wealth poured into this temple doesn't achieve a relationship with God and same you know for us like coming to church and doing all the right things and, and you know, putting our hands up in worship or even, even things like taking communion, doing the rituals, those things don't achieve a relationship with God. Walking with God achieves a relationship with God. So God says, if you walk with me, if you obey and observe my commandments and decrees, that's what God desires he desires genuine obedience from his people. And if that doesn't happen, even with all the glamour of the temple and all that Israel has achieved for God, they will be cut off. There will be a parable. They will be destroyed. Now, reading this, I wonder, and I'm sure you do too, why is this here? Why, why this discouraging, after such a great ceremony and, and encouraging story, why is this here? Why is God so harsh? It's because it's a warning. 
God is warning Solomon what would happen if he's not faithful, if he were to turn other ways. God's warning him, and this warning is a grace from God. It's out of love God warns Solomon because what God wants is a relationship with his people. So he warns them of what would turn them away. If they were to turn to other idols, if they were to turn to other nations, if they were to put their trust in any other thing that compromises their relationship with God, and he doesn't want that. He wants a genuine relationship, a real relationship with his people. So he says, don't do it. Don't fall away. Don't believe their lies. Don't get sucked in. Don't, don't you realize what would happen if you went down this path? God is warning Solomon what would happen if he, if he doesn't walk with the Lord. And what happens? What happens after this, uh, this prayer that where God uh, speaks to Solomon? Unfortunately, what the warnings that God gives, unfortunately, that's what happens to Israel. And what, even what's described in this uh, in this little um, response from God in this short part of this chapter is, is kind of reminiscent of, of a whole heaps of blessings and warnings that we've seen throughout Scripture. Throughout 1 Kings, God has already warned Solomon, but also through uh, the law, the, the, and particularly Deuteronomy, given to the Israelite people, warning what would happen if they're not faithful. And uh, over the next few chapters, we see, and we'll go into this next week, we see Solomon doesn't walk with the Lord. He gets distracted. He gets deceived. He gets enslaved by other things. He's still king of the, of the biggest nation, greatest nation at the time, but his heart is, is, is drawn away to by women, by power, by his wealth. And he puts, he starts worshiping other gods, exactly what God warns him not to do. And after Solomon, the kingdom is divided. And after a, a few, few more years, Israel is destroyed and the temple uh, is destroyed. All that glamour and everything, all the effort put into it, destroyed. Where God, God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. But that's not the end of the story. It's not the end of the story. Because God's love for humanity is even greater than humanity's failure. God has promised that he would establish eternal kingdom. And he's created, he's, he's entered into a covenant, a promise, a, an agreement, a contract with Israel to, to achieve that. And, and God is faithful to, to the covenant, even though his people are not. And Solomon fails. David had failed before him. Uh, Jeroboam, Rehoboam fail, his sons, and then all the kings fail. But then God comes down himself. He himself is faithful to the covenant. In fact, he creates a new covenant. In Jeremiah, it speaks of this new covenant. God says through Jeremiah to the people of Israel, the days are coming, declares the Lord, where I'll make a new covenant with the people of Israel and the people of Judah. 
It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors where I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant. Though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will I teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and, excuse me, I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Even though Israel failed the covenant and what God promises and warns comes to pass is not the end of the story. God promises a new covenant and one who come to establish a new covenant, a new relationship, new parameters for the late relationship with God. And he promises a king that will come that will lead Israel in the ways of the Lord. A king who would not only lead, Israel, lead people in the way of the Lord, not only a king who would establish and make the way for God's people, a king who would be the way to walk with the Lord. That would become the means by which we can have a relationship with God that is not based on our own faithfulness or obedience, but based on Jesus' faithfulness and obedience. And he, he died on a cross to forgive our sins. Even though, even though we are all guilty of, of breaking the covenant, of, of not living up and being faithful to God, Jesus was and he's achieved forgiveness for us. The means by which God dwells with his people is no longer a temple, a building, but through Jesus, a person, and through his spirit sent, uh, sent from Jesus uh, in us. And so in Christ, we have the fulfillment of, pro- of God's promises. In Christ, we see that, that God desires our prayers, that we can approach the throne of glory with confidence that not only does God listen out for our prayers, He desires our prayers. Through Jesus, we have a genuine relationship with God. Even though we might mess it up and even though we keep sinning again and again and even though we keep messing it up, God's forgiveness is unending. His grace is inconceivable. His love is eternal. That we would turn to Him and be restored to Him. Jesus saves us because God wants a relationship with us. And so when, you know, when Israel came and they, they entered into the temple and did all the sacrifice, it was, it, was, it was not just rituals, desiring a real relationship. And when they obeyed the command, it wasn't just so that they could receive the benefits of what the commands promise and the promises, it's so that they could have a genuine relationship with Jesus. And so when we come to Jesus and see all that he offers us, we come not just for what he offers, we come for him, that we might have a genuine relationship with a God who's created us. Christ saves us because God wants a relationship with us. He wants to delight in us. 
He wants to transform us. He wants to hear our prayers. He wants to forgive us. He wants us to walk with Him, to walk in His ways. Now in this, God is speaking to Solomon, uh, to the leader of the Israelites. And there's a challenge here uh, for leaders among us, in our families, in church, in our workplaces, in whatever. There's a call for Solomon, for Solomon to, to walk in the ways of the Lord, to, to have that relationship with God, but also that he would lead others in that. And I just want to wanna say... Um, that's really hard sometimes to hear messages like this, that the responsibility of leaders leading others and, and so much of that is out of our control. So much of that, as much as we might do, our kids might not follow in God's ways. They, or the people we lead, people even in this church might not um, capture who Jesus is and walk away. And, and, and I just want to say if, if that's you or if that's something you're struggling with or something you're working through, can I say it's not the end of the story. It's like Israel, after all the destruction, it wasn't the end of the story. God was still faithful. There is hope. It's not the end of your story. It's not the end of their story. Because God is in control and what he desires even more than you even more than me is a genuine relationship with all of us and he has done all that's needed to make that a reality so there is hope there's healing and there's a God who deeply longs to have a genuine relationship with his people when I pray and then we'll sing again. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you and praise you that you are a God who keeps his promises. And we thank you for uh, what the lessons we are learning from the life of Solomon. We, Lord, we pray that we would walk in your ways. We pray that we would be faithful to what you have called us into, a genuine relationship with Jesus. We thank you that Jesus has done all that's necessary to make that happen, that we are in the new covenant that is not dependent on ourselves, but through, through Jesus, you've written on our hearts the law of the Lord and you, you've made it so that we know the Lord, we know God through Christ. And Lord, we pray that you would help us realize that and free us from the expectation, the oppression of having to live up to a certain standard, but actually free us to live for you. And Lord, we know that you, you desire our prayers, that you love us. And so we, we bring before you um, so many things. Lord, we pray again uh, for our dear sister Fia. We, Lord, we pray for healing. We thank you uh, already that we are seeing answer to prayer. Uh, and we, we, Lord, we pray for more. We pray for more in Jesus' name that you would uh, uh, help her, well, you would lead her in recovery, that you would restore her muscles and her lungs, her breathing and everything, Lord. We thank you that you've already doing that. We pray for more. Lord, we also pray for Cam. Um, I was meant to forgot to mention this at the beginning of the sermon, Lord. Uh, Cam, who's uh, in the emergency department with um, 
abdomen pain and um, he's, he's going okay, uh, but there's still some questions about what's going on and he's being well cared for. But Lord, we pray uh, for Cam um, uh, that you would heal him, that you would give doctors clarity uh, and insight, that you would pray for the rest of the family in that. Lord, we pray for, for Bill and the work he's doing on Mercy Ships and thank you for, yeah, him going out and using the resources and the opportunity he has to share your light and love and hope with the world. Uh, we pray you would um, fill him with your spirit to serve, to care, uh, to, be, to be your light amongst uh, that ship and, and your people and in, uh, in Senegal and and for so many other things, Lord, there's so much going on. For the, for the, the amalgamation discussions, uh, for uh, the Lobethal Church plant, for um, just the ongoing work of the church, Lord, and the ongoing um, things happening in the lives of your people, Lord, we pray, and we pray that you would lead us to prayer. Remind us that you don't only listen out for your prayers, you desire our prayers. So help us pray. Lord, we thank you so much that you have done the work, that you desire a relationship uh, with us. And Lord, we pray for those uh, who, who are not walking in your ways, who are being deceived and distracted by many different things that this world has to offer, empty things that will not satisfy. Lord, we, we pray, and it, it breaks our hearts to see others uh, walk away from you but Lord we know it breaks your heart more and we know it's not the end of the story that there are many prodigal children out there who the father is waiting at the gate you are waiting at the gate ready to receive them and welcome them back into your family we pray uh, the influence that all of us might have in in you bringing drawing them back to yourself but Lord we just we just pray in hope knowing that you love uh, you love them and you, you desire a relationship uh, with them. And thank you, Lord Jesus, for this time. Thank you for speaking to us through your word, but also through your people. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people, and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.